Hi, I'm Mark Reed. Follow me as I attempt to put my new book, Impact Culture, into practice and discuss it with others taking a similar journey. You'll get tips that will help you achieve more impact from your research and stay healthy, no matter how busy you are. Rediscover your purpose. Lead from behind to empower those around you. Transform your work culture. Welcome to Season 4 of the Fast Track Impact Podcast. So for the last couple of months now, we've been thinking about mental health challenges. And I think I've now come to the end of this theme, and I want to just give you one last episode on this. For now, at least. We'll uh, see. I might come back to this. And I think what I want to do with this is rather than this being an ending, which is a kind of a fanfare and, yeah, here is resolution, Uh, here is um, how I healed, um, where I'm at now and the success story. Uh, I want to present to you something that um, I'm going to describe as a story from the middle, from within the thick of it. Because, like me, I suspect many of you will be suffering from challenges that just seem to keep coming back. They refuse to go away. Of course, we're taught that if we put our mind to it, we can overcome any challenge. We can find healing. We can fix ourselves. We can achieve our dreams. But the reality is, sadly, often very different. And it can leave us feeling guilty that, yeah, maybe I didn't try hard enough. Or there was just something wrong with me that meant that the promises that I was given growing up didn't apply to me. Yeah, in theory, anyone can fix themselves, achieve their dreams, if they follow some hidden formula. And did I miss it? Was I just not good enough? What what happened? How did I get left behind? And I think the problem is that this narrative that gets spun by society means that whenever you speak about the challenges you're facing, you feel the need to explain how you're working through them, the progress you've made, and how it won't last much longer. But if, year after year, that hope doesn't translate into reality, there can be a real sense of failure. A society wants the hero story, the story of how you overcame your challenges, the story that will keep the narrative of hope alive for us all, no matter how bleak everything may seem. But at the heart of this narrative lays an assumption that we rarely examine, the assumption that the goal is to be healed or fixed, and to get to a place where we no longer experience pain and suffering. But what if the goal isn't attainable? For example, you've got some kind of long-term chronic condition. This kind of thing happens to many of us. And what if it even isn't the point? What if the point is that there will always be suffering? And we're sitting here wasting our lives living living in the future for a time that might never come, while the present moment slips away in front of us, medicated out of existence by our drugs of choice to numb the pain for long enough for us to reach our desired future state. What if the point is to accept whatever life has thrown at us, here and now, 
and to embrace that reality in all of its anguish, and yet somehow find a way of living in a pain-filled present moment that has meaning, that we've accepted, and so we can experience peace in that, even with the odd shaft of joy piercing the challenges from time to time, because I'm here, now, living this life I've been given. Just this week, I've spoken to two people suffering from chronic illness. My cousin's the director of an organisation and suffers from chronic pain that impacts just about everything she does. And I spoke to a colleague from professional services who I had no idea until today had been suffering from long COVID for the last two and a half years. It can be incredibly lonely as you watch everyone else get on with their lives around you, doing the things you would have been doing yourself if this thing hadn't happened to you. And it's not just the stuff you've given up now and lost. A future has been stolen from you as well. The things you dreamt of doing, the places you dreamt of going to, which are now never going to happen. You feel left behind, all alone, and with nobody who can even understand or help you. I think part of the problem is that it's easy to believe that your pain is unique, so nobody can understand or empathise. But sharing my story here on the podcast has shown for me that I am not alone. We all have our own unique experience of suffering. My cousin lives with physical pain and I live with psychological pain, but focusing on finding peace and joy in the midst of that pain is a very different proposition to constantly living for a future where there is no pain especially when that future feels increasingly distant. So this is a story from the middle, as K.J. Ramsey calls it in her book, This Too Shall Last. It's not a story from the end, because the end is not in sight, and because I think we need more unfinished stories from the painful, uncertain and unresolved middle, because that's where so many of us actually are. And so I want to conclude by sharing some of the stories I've heard over the years in my trainings of, as people have responded to me telling my own story from the middle. The things that people have told me in response to the episode in November where I shared that story in more depth. Because none of us are really alone in this place, in the middle, in the thick of it. And the more we talk from this place, the more we can normalise this as a place it's okay to be in. I've taken care to anonymise the stories that I've heard, I've built them into composites, uh, so there's no identifying features, and I hope that you will find solace in these stories. If you too feel stuck in the middle of a story that has no clear ending. And so I've spoken to many people since I spoke about my own struggles on the podcast who also are finding it really hard to go back into in-person meetings and teaching and all of that stuff. And they shared their struggles with me. One colleague told me how it was forcing him to work out how on earth he could quit or retire early. Another explained that the only way he could get through lectures without shaking and panic was to take a mild beta blocker on teaching days. Someone else told me how he is now ahead of school but has lived with anxiety for years, which would be exhausting enough without the endless meetings that all seem to boil down to money. 
I spoke into a lot of PhD students. Uh, I do a lot of training specifically for PhD students. Uh, and one of the common stories I hear, especially when I talk about my anxiety, is, yeah, uh, this is a challenging time for many of us. And, uh, and many of us, uh, many PhD students have spoken of their own struggles in this respect. One told me how they had uh, got their PhD later in life and uh, they were now panicking about not being able to get a job, something that I think many of us can relate to, but which is hard enough without the fact that he's been suffering from anxiety and depression. Another who, like me, suffered spiritual abuse, got through his PhD, but then had a breakdown and is consumed with fear every time he tries to engage with his research. Another PhD student told me how he'd been feeling guilty about the amount of time he had to spend during work hours just to look after himself as the father of a newly diagnosed autistic child. And now, having heard about me taking my Fridays to look after my own mental health, he felt validated and empowered to prioritise his own mental health. Peter Rode reached out to me to share his own experience of talking openly about his struggles with bipolar disorder. And uh, he's written about this. I'll give you a link to his blog on the Voices of Academia podcast. Um, sorry, blog on the, um, uh, on the show, in the show notes. Um, and because he's, uh, he's uh, done this very openly, I'll, I'll talk about um, him uh, as Peter Rode, um, and you can read more. But here's a wee excerpt. Um, uh, he writes, uh, Over the years, the reception has been mixed, ranging from alarm, bordering on panic, to dismissiveness. But for the most part, I've found, especially nowadays, that people are completely okay with it and appreciate the openness. He concludes his blog by saying, This is where those in positions of leadership and or seniority in universities have the greatest potential to change and lead by example. Anyone can experience mental illness, and senior academics are as human as anyone else. The more senior you are, the greater your influence will be if you lead by example, showing that you can make it. If those at the top show their cards rather than hold them close against their chest, it immediately reduces the sense of stigma for everyone else. What a powerful sign it would be if a vice-chancellor or CEO were to openly talk about and normalise their mental health challenges. But we don't have to be running a company to have impact. All we have... So we, we all have individuals under our guidance and mentorship who we can influence, formally or not. Normalising and being open about our challenges is just as powerful to them as a vice-chancellor would be to me. This is a cultural shift we can all contribute to, regardless of where we stand. As for me, I'm still in the middle, concluding this uh, series of episodes on mental health. Uh, and I'll confess, admitting my struggles with post-traumatic stress and anxiety publicly was difficult, but I'd run out of excuses for not attending in-person meetings, and I couldn't keep hiding what was happening to me. Since going public, I've felt a mixture of embarrassment and despair on days when it feels like all my attempts to fix myself over the years have failed, and I just want to hide. On other days, though, I know I'm not alone. And the empathy of those around me here in the middle is enough to get through the day and find those moments of peace and joy. Just accepting that it's okay to be here in the middle, unresolved, unfinished, not sure what happens next. 
The stories that sell are the ones with heroic, happy endings. And that's what we've been told is meant to happen. But the stories that resonate for me and nurture me are the ones that accept that being in the middle might be the beginning, the middle and the end of our story. And the trick is to find joy wherever we are now, whether or not there's a happy ending in sight.